0: From the Over the Top Studios in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. You're listening to Snowbound, the PSIA Northwest podcast. We're talking this evening with Kim Petrum. And uh, Kim, good to have you back.
1: Thank you, George. Thanks for having me back.
0: And uh, we're going to be talking about student-centered learning. Now, this sounds against everything I think of with ski lessons. (laughs) It's all about the instructor, Kim. Come
1: on. (laughs) Well. We have sort of driven the ship in that direction, yes, and not intentionally, and no one is, you know, trying to create any ill will or or not have the student in the center of their mind with how they practice, but I think sometimes we have sort of defaulted to a very instructor-centered teaching model.
0: And how and why are we getting away from that, and you know I was just kidding at the beginning. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, how and why that, those are good questions I'm not entirely sure about that I think that we've um, over time over probably the last 20 years and certainly there are others that are more capable of speaking to this than myself that have historical knowledge back to the genesis of our organization but there's, there's been a lot of work towards Um, moving us to um, a a teaching-focused way of serving the clients and not so much on the skiing focus. And while we still obviously have to teach the skills and help, help everyone learn how to ski and ride to their best ability, that focus on how to present a lesson and how to teach to the student has um, has become more advanced. There has been more um, literature available to us. We obviously have the learning partnership that everyone is familiar with at this point where we identify the student profile and the instructor behavior, which then does or does not create a good learning partnership. The student profile section, I think we have pretty much nailed down. That's where you're looking at the CAT model, you know, what that student brings to the table based on their cognitive and effective and physical characteristics. Um, but the instructor behavior side, I think we've driven it down one road in particular, and that's the teaching cycle. And when we have new instructors, you know, we, we teach them to memorize this seven-point teaching cycle where you, you assess and you determine plans and goals and then you practice and then you check for understanding and somehow it's this this cyclic process that that the instructor is just assumed to understand and to follow. I think it leads though to possibly some sort of cookie cutter type instruction. We have progressions that we follow to a T regardless of what the student is doing in front of us and mistakenly um, put too much emphasis on making it through the lesson plan or through the progression, trying to follow that teaching cycle. And somewhere along the line, the student is completely really left out of the, the picture. It becomes focused on what the instructor is doing and trying to get through.
0: Now, Kim, your specialty is children and seniors. Is the style any different
1: no, <laughs> I don't think so. I think that if we start looking at what the student is actually doing in front of us, if we can kind of take off the... And let me just say as a caveat, this is not easy, and especially for a new instructor that needs some instructional guidelines to be successful. So this this is a relatively d- deep process that is not easy to incorporate, but... As we, as we continue to grow as a professional organization I think that we can look more closely at how is it that we view what that student is doing and how is it that they are best able to learn and how can I, the instructor, get out of their way to help them learn and achieve their goals instead of sometimes we kind of get in their way and, and make things a little bit harder for them. So whether it's a a child or a senior, an older adult, there are tactics that you can um, you can utilize to help you um, script your lesson and present your lesson so that it is through the lens of the student and how they're learning versus the lens of everything that you need to get done in your, you know, preconceived checklist that you have in your head as an instructor.
0: Now as instructors, we should have that preconceived checklist. <laughs> and then how do we judge our students to make it student oriented?
1: Um, I think there's a couple of ways to do that. I'll I'll give you an example. Earlier this year I had a really great interaction with a with an instructor who was probably Three years, four years into the profession, so still relatively new and, and, um, um, taking a children's specialist one credential. And at some point, you know, through, through the two days, started having some real aha moments. And, and she said, um, you know, she, we were riding the chair and she said, what I just need to be able to do is Understand how I can get my large class of 10 kids all moving in the same direction at the same time because invariably I have that one kid who just can't sidestep up the hill and then I can't move my class along until that person learns how to sidestep up the hill. And this person was very sincere and that's how she'd been trained and coached and she was trying to be... Um, um, certain that she was being diligent and making it through all the prescribed steps of the progression that she was asked to do. And she kind of lost, you know, focus there. I said to her, why is it important to you that your student has to sidestep up a hill? You know, and she's like, well, because we have to learn how to sidestep up a hill before we can learn to paddle turn out and then straight run down the hill. <laughs> if that's what would happen if you um, let that student straight run at a different part of your learning terrain and, and just completely skip the sidestepping portion, what would happen? And so we talked through this, right? And, and she realized, you know, well, gosh, nothing's gonna happen. If I have a bunch of six-year-olds, we know physically that they develop in very um, specific ways and, and children develop for the most part kind of in a top-down, inside-out fashion. Their ankles are the, one of the last sort of functionally developed body parts they have. And we know being able to sidestep up a hill takes a lot of activity in the lower legs and something that a child probably isn't able to do. So focus on the things the child can do at that stage of development and, and disregard some of the others until they're ready to be able to do it physically
0: now let's take that into a senior
1: um well same thing with the senior our seniors are usually what we're seeing historically is that those um of an older age still want to ski and ride they want to be able to do the things they've been doing their whole life they are starting to deal though with some physical decline maybe some loss of muscle or bone strength or maybe cardiac functions or decreasing, whatever they bring to the table. That there's tactics we can help a senior with. Um, one of them is, is a premise of low-impact continuous movement. So how is it that they shape a turn um, using tactics like skeletal alignment so that they're not relying so much on muscular effort but are relying on um, skeletal um, effort, which is a much stronger and less fatiguing way to move yourself down the hill and, you know, just identifying ways, work around so that person who's coming to you as they are can can be successful on the hill. What can you do to help them um, be who they want to be and be able to navigate safely about the hill in a safe way? That's setting them up for success, that's not teaching them poor skills that they have to unlearn later, but also leveraging skills that they can bring to the table at that moment in time.
0: And I have to say, as instructors, if we're able to achieve that with student-centered learning, that is personally extremely fulfilling for the instructor.
1: It is. and. I'll be frank with you. Some of our newer instructors do a little bit better with this than some of our seasoned instructors because you do have to kind of put aside a little bit the way you've always done something, that that lens that you perceive the right way to do things. And it's a bit sometimes of organizational chaos, especially for newer learners, um, predominantly kids. So you'll see in some sort of a learning corral, wherever your terrain is that's flat that you use for your your new students. Um, to me, a sign of a really great lesson is is not a full two hours of, of the kids being lined up soldier-like, being asked one at a time to, to do a task, you know, to allow them to move about the hill on their own, you know, within a prescribed area, but allowing them to work at their own level, giving them one-on-one coaching or feedback, or simply just letting them do their thing, right? Giving them an objective, maybe it's to, they have to, to, um, you know, I don't know, get get all of the spare ski poles from one end of the terrain to the other end on their own with only one ski on. They're gonna figure that out on their own and they're gonna figure out how to navigate on their skis or their board. Not that you're abandoning them, you're still intently watching what they're doing and providing guidance but also getting out of their way a little bit to see how they figure some movement patterns out on their own.
0: So is the day coming where we might be able to walk out onto the beginner hill and not hear the words pizza or french fries?
1: (laughs) If I never heard the word pizza again I'd be thrilled. (laughs) I have to say that brings up a really good Topic in that or point, and and I don't mean to be demeaning in any way. We all do things with the best of intent, and we're all trying our very best because we want the lessons to be successful. We want our students to love us and be engaged and love the sport. Um, but I think sometimes there's things that we do um, that that can set a student down a course that then you have to take away some of those learned behaviors later, and. Pizza is one of those things when you when you talk about um, wedge and a variety of wedges, you know, and we start talking about teaching breaking wedges immediately to new students that implicitly sets them up for um, a fear or an unwillingness, even if it's implied and not spoken outright, to not want to embrace flow in an embrace the ability to move into the wind to move down the hill to seek and desire that when we when we when we start teaching that you have to have tactics to stop that movement break away or move away from it push away from it you know you imagine that leveraged downhill ski and the body completely inclined up the hill um there are ways that you can teach a child to navigate on skis early and on flat skis in a gliding and um, um, forward-moving way that allows them to embrace flow and embrace the joy of that and not work immediately in opposite of that. And... Um, Same with seniors, you know, if we're teaching, seniors come to us and they've well learned that if they get into a serious situation or something that makes them anxious because of pitch or conditions, their innate response is to move away from the hill, right? To put their weight back, to, to move their entire alignment up the hill and instead of embracing it, which tends to have you in a more functional and aligned position to be successful. So, you know, something something to consider about how we're setting our students up for success in the first place.
0: Well, Kim, thank you very much. What are we going to focus on next time?
1: George, I thought maybe we could um, spend a little bit more time in the cognitive arena and talk about how as a little person to a full-grown adult and an older adult, how that changes and how we develop and maintain skill acquisition in that cognitive realm.
0: Kim Petrum, thank you very much for joining us.
1: You're welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: You've been listening to Snowbound, the PSA Northwest podcast guest, Kim Petrum from the over the top studios in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas
1: acast powers some of the world's best podcasts here's a show we recommend
0: i'm ned fulmer and i'm ariel we're from the try guys and we have a new podcast called baby steps it's an irreverent parenting podcast because parenting is not perfect we just had a newborn baby finn i got pooped on ariel has pink eye <laughs> I don't <laughs> <have> pink <eye. laughs> We talk to some experts. We even bring you 4 a.m. thoughts from our garden. Oh my gosh, it's literally 4 a.m.
1: Just to <laughs> go back here, I thought I got poop in my eye. Yeah. And that causes pink eye. <laughs> Parenting
0: is a mess. We're a mess. You're a mess. Join us every Sunday. Listen to Baby Steps on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: A cash recommends.